Get ready for films and chats and some jokes. Films and chats. This week's films with Alex and Michael. The Big Blanket Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Big Blanket Podcast, a.k.a. the Picture House at Fact Podcast. With me, Alex, uh, the projectionist, or one of the projectionists here, and... Michael, the marketing guy. The marketing guy. The marketing clown. Um, well, this week um, we have another amazing interview with Niall McCann. And who yeah. is Niall McCann? Well, Niall McCann directed a film by, about Luke Haynes, who's sort of on the fringes of Britpop and never quite made through. He's quite, quite a, like, raconteur. But he's now come back with a film called Lost in France, which is about the Glaswegian rec- indie record label uh, Chemical Underground. And it's about... They went on this uh, kind of group trip to... Like, it was a gig in, in France, and they're recreating it 20 years later. So oh, cool. That. And uh, we've got a very special event here where a live performance with Alex Capranos from Franz Ferdinand, some of the guys from Mogwai and the Delgados uh, are going to be playing live in a super group for our, for our eyes. Amazing. Uh, we can, we'll find out a lot more from Niall later. But before we get into any of our reviews... Uh, we're just going to take a moment to talk about John Hurt and remember this um, fantastic acting icon. Yeah. Uh, so he had worked with some of the greatest um, auteur directors of our time, David Lynch, Lars von Trier, Guillermo del Toro, Alan Parker, Ridley Scott, Ben Wheatley. Um, and I think that's a reflection on him as an actor, that these directors wanted to work with him for me he had this um expressive face but he was a very subtle actor yeah well he he didn't even really need his face if you think about roles with like the elephant man yeah where he can show so much emotion through prosthetics um just by voice and uh the the way he holds himself like i I think it's one of the saddest films ever made and beautiful yeah Mm. Um, yeah, there's, uh, there's also, I, I always find the story about him quite funny. He's, he, was, he was a method actor, so he'd get well into the characters of his roles. And um, in one of his films, uh, Midnight Express, which is a brilliant film written by Oliver Stone, directed by Alan Parker, soundtrack by Giorgio Romero. <laughs> I like this film. Um, <laughs> and uh, he, he was playing a prisoner in, Tur- in a Turkish prison, and he didn't wash for the whole time of filming and so none of the none of the other uh, people would uh, none of the other actors wanted to be near him while he was doing that part which I always find quite funny nice like a bit of dedication there yeah so John Hurt right let's talk about some films that we have seen this week let's start with T2 Train Spotting, the return to the big screen for Renton, Sick Boy. Spud. Spud. Begby. Begby. <laughs> <laughs> so Alex hasn't seen it yet. That's why. <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm waiting to re-watch uh, the original. I don't think you need to do that to watch this film, though. Um, I can't, I, we we kind of fancy doing it, refresh our memories of how, how it ended and, and where this story will then pick up from. Sure. Well, I don't think you actually need to do that. Um, this film uh, is steeped in nostalgia from the very start. But really, this film stands alone with a really exciting new 
um, idea. Sick Boy's got himself uh, a new scam and uh, he, he's ready to set that up. He's wanting to get Renton involved. Renton's been hiding away from, in Amsterdam for 20 years hmm. and so no one's really happy about him coming back. Um, and then Begbie is uh, out of prison, which is terrifying for the, the rest of the actors, the rest of the characters. All of my fears that this might be you know, something like a Zoolander 2 or a, a, <laughs> yeah. a, where, you know, relying totally on old jokes and this is something they've they've really worked at to make uh, to make to make good and to really do the fans uh, a service. Um, well, I think we talked about this on a previous podcast where we'd said about if you look at who's involved, it's all the original guys including Danny Boyle as the director, hmm. um, the uh, writer, um, and those uh, right, people... Hodge, it, yeah. yeah, those, those, <laughs> those guys are... Um, they have a high standard, so they yeah. won't put out something which they wouldn't be happy with. Yeah. Um, so, you, so you kind of... You ha- I have faith with them. But um, one thing I will say about it as well, I think it's, um, which I was also worried that it, it would lose, is it's brilliantly Scottish. Like, okay, it really, yeah. like it really is and um and britain british as well there's like some there's brilliant little nods to uh like g4s securities nice. and um like they they try and they get funding through the eu uh, it's little jabs of political things in it nice. well, right the other film that we have seen or we've both seen is jackie natalie portman's um bid for another Oscar. Oscar. I think it's a shoe in for the Oscar for uh, costume design. You think? I over, think so. Over Harry Potter. Yes, over <laughs> Harry Potter. I think. I think it's. Uh, yeah, I think that's the right thing. Uh, it, and Natalie Portman is incredible as the leading lady, the um, Jackie Kennedy, with yeah. all that emotion, and her f- her face is on screen for like almost the whole oh, film. Thing. Yeah, um, so she's playing. Yeah, we should say she is. Uh, she's playing Jackie Kennedy yeah. in uh, the days. Or the, at the time and the days after uh, her husband's uh, fatal killing mm. um, or assassination. And uh, she's trying to hold her family together whilst at the same time hold up his legacy um, and make sure that he's not forgotten and also that she's not left penniless. Like uh, her, She has fears that uh, Abraham Lincoln's wife was left penniless and that might happen to her. What's brilliant about it is how controlling she is over it. It's almost, um, what's the word? It's a vain. There's, there's, a, there's a huge streak of vanity through mm, it. Definitely. But then, you know, there's also the f- feelings of grief as well that are just really relatable. There, it's very much this a portrayal of a woman struggling to come to terms with this horrific event that's just happened and trying to have power over her own decisions um maybe not making the right decisions or anything but because it's such a unique thing to experience you can really see the turmoil within her yeah so i think it's all uh, with manchester by the sea as well just coming out it's really interesting because both of those films are about grief and responsibility really it's funny that that should they should all come out at the same time but i guess it's good oscar Mm. Um, that kind of thing also the supporting cast in Jackie is phenomenal Peter Sarsgaard although 
I did get obsessed with his um, prosthetic upper lip for, for quite a while with the film. Is that Bobby Kennedy? Yeah, Bobby Kennedy. Oh, I thought that was someone else. No, Peter Sarsgaard. And he was brilliant. Um, and, of course, John Hurt, again, fantastic in it as uh, an, an old Irish yeah, priest. Of course, yeah, um, he, he was, yeah, John, John Hurt, I think, was the part mm. that made the film about me, so... Yeah, Richard E. Grant pops up. Oh, Richard E. Grant in a serious role was actually fantastic to yeah. watch. I haven't seen him do roles like this for a while. I've really considered, careful. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's a really precise... Is that a good Yeah, definitely. And there, there's, there's his last scene. He doesn't say anything. He just looks yeah. at Jackie Kennedy. And you can... You see exactly see what he's thinking, yeah. and it's very and it's extremely subtle, and it's wonderful to see Richard E. Grant in that role where he is acting properly, and he's not just doing like a, a big show and big performance. Mm. The last thing I'd like to say on Jackie, um, which is quite funny, we were driving home, my wife and I, when we went to see it, and um, my wife was driving. She looked in the mirror, uh, the rearview mirror, and. and kind of made a bit of an exclamation because she was expecting to see uh, Natalie Portman's face there because she'd, <laughs> she'd like seen so much of Natalie Portman's face on the screen <laughs> for so long. That's very odd. <laughs> well, let's hear what Niall McCann has to say about his film Lost in France. Just before we go into the interview, I'd just like to mention we speak about Stuart Henderson, who's the uh, founder of Chemical Underground, and we also talk about Aidan Moffat's film, Where You're Meant to Be, which was a film he did about Scottish folk songs. Very good film. Something else you should check out. It just felt like a really exciting expression of everything that's great, weird, emotional and idiosyncratic about Glasgow. Hi, Niall McCann, director of Lost in France. How are you doing today? Not so bad, thank you. How are you? Yes, I'm very well. I'm very excited to talk to you and about your amazing new film. Would you mind telling us a little about it? Yeah, um, the film, um, it, well, it centres on um, Glasgow music that I grew up with in the... In the 1990s, um, focuses on Chemical Underground record label, and um, I brought them all back to a festival that they all went went to in the middle of mid, the middle of nowhere in France, and um, when they were all starting out, um, and I figured um, I brought them back 20 years later, and the idea was that um, if you could bring people back and sort of relive their past, what would they think about it, and what would what would it make you, uh, what, what would it turn the, the present into? It might change your perspective on what you've done in your life. Uh, you, you seem like quite a young fella as well, like, maybe like a, a little bit older than myself, but like, I was just wondering how you first got into all, all this, uh, like the, the Glasgow underground scene, one, being from uh, Ireland, and two, uh, yeah. being a younger fella. Well, the, thanks for saying I'm, I'm a young guy. Um, I'm 34, so I don't know how young that is anymore, but then. Um, <laughs> What does that even mean? But um, I was, um, when I was growing up, I grew up in a small town uh, near the border um, in the side of Ireland called Dundalk. I hung around with a lot of, uh, some people who were um, a bit older, you know, and they were all into um, good music or what I thought was good music. So from a quite a young age, I was exposed to people um, like Chemical Underground and um, all that sort of awful Britpop stuff. Um, <laughs> 
but it had a big effect on me, and I suppose then it, I was lucky enough to get into bands that maybe I would have missed. How, how did you um, actually get in touch with them in the first place uh, to, to do this? Because Stuart says in the film, like he, he doesn't really know uh, why you're you're doing it, so it didn't really sound like it yeah, was a plan of yeah. his part. So uh, how did how did you get in touch with them and say this is what I want to do with you guys? Generally, my approach is um, I try to find a moment. I try, if I find a subject that I'd like to make a film about, I try to find a moment in their life that we can, you know, enter into the story. And then from a, you know, you start off with a small, a small, tiny moment. And then you can, you know, by examining that moment, it can actually tell you a lot about the broader picture. I, bumped, I spoke to Aidan Moffat after himself and Bill Wells played a gig in Dublin in the grand um, social venue. And just talked about the scene and what it meant in there and what he thought about it and what what memories he had that he thought were particularly important. And he mentioned this trip to Mare Arm to me. Yeah. Um, and that's really where the idea came from. Because Aidan's not really heavily featured in your film, but did you get a chance no. to see uh, where you're meant to be? I saw an early cut of it in the Barrowlands, I think, um, during um, the Commonwealth Games. Yeah. When I was over filming um, the last big weekend, the big Mogwai um, concert that's in my film. Interestingly, actually, when it, it became apparent that Aiden couldn't be in it, 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 it forced me to refocus, and it became apparent to me then that Stuart Henderson was probably the most important person in the story, or the most and important yeah. person in my version of the story. He totally is as um, well. Uh, I think some of the lines he comes out with uh, were just ringing so true with myself, and I was watching it with a, a musician friend of mine, and everything he was saying about indie music being needed to be... Uh, needing support and, and help I, yeah. I think was just so spot on mm. do you think films like this will help? I think people I think um, as consumers um, you know the problem with the internet is it's about access it's not about ownership mm. and um, we haven't come up, I don't, no one's come up with a model where artists actually get paid for you know properly paid for the work at the, at the moment because you know most people don't buy records anymore yeah, yeah. You know, people are buying vinyl again, but the, the, the majority of people I know will go online and download 10 albums at a time, 10 new albums, and not think anything of it. They're not really connected with. Do you mean like steal downloads? Which is stealing. Yeah. Which is stealing, you know? Mm. And I think we need to wait. I think, you know, the, the internet and the, um, social media and all that sort of stuff, I think it's created this sort of um, idea that when you're behind the keyboard, it's okay. It's almost like you're not doing it. Yeah, you know, you, people will um, insult people. They'll say awful things about other people online, but they wouldn't say it in person. Mm. The, the same people wouldn't go into, uh, you know, like a record store and start shoving CDs down their underpants. But yeah. they'll go online and steal it, and, but they won't see it as being the same thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, as, as a society, do we want to be able to um, uh, listen to music and to be music that's a bit different and a bit left field and maybe not the mainstream? And do we want that to, be, to, to still be the case? Because if things keep on going where they're going, I think you're going to end up with, as Stuart says in the film, um, a situation where the only people who will be able to make music, apart from ultra-popular people on major record labels, are people who have the financial um, wherewithal to indulge themselves, you know? What 
was it like working with uh, you know essentially some of your heroes? I have to say they're wonderful, wonderful people. I was a bit lost, um, I suppose, when I started the film, and I was, I'd lost a lot of my confidence because of um, the, the disappointment and the, the lack of control I had over what happened over the world. Mm. Uh, but it, I really found it was a really wonderful experience. I have to say they're, they're genuinely lovely people, but more than that, they're incredibly talented too, and very, very giving and open. Which I was very surprised by. There was no, it wasn't, it wasn't hard work. And when it was hard work, it was probably just me making it so. But with the guys, <laughs> it was always an absolute, you know, just a joy to work with them. And France was a lot of fun. Probably the most fun I've had in years. Yeah. Well, what was um, that? What was the reaction of when you uh, when you all got to the town? A lot of it was it was interesting because a lot of people were still there who who would have been there in the first place, and they knew a lot of. Um, we had a reception of the mayor's. Um, Mayor's house in, in the town in Maron, and I was really surprised. It was, it was like people meeting old friends, you know. But I was surprised by the reaction to them. Like the 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 line of the gate was incredible. Yeah, yeah. People were coming from Bajua. Ah, that's great. Um, and so actually, the uh, when the film shows here, there's a special uh, live event afterwards. And is it the Morons who are featuring the film that are playing? Uh, just maybe say who. Yeah. Explain who the Morons are. Maybe it's like, yeah, um, the neither in the film. The film um, we were trying to a gig, that, um, a small little gig we put on, sort of reunion gig. And um, each of the musicians in the film are Anne Hubbard, Emma Pollock, Stuart Braywood from Mogwai, Alex from Franz Ferdinand, and Paul Savage, who is um, quite a renowned um, music producer now, and he was a drummer in the Delgados. Um, they each played um, a solo set, and then at the end of the night um, Alex Stewart Oren Hubbard and Paul Savage formed a sort of um, mini super group um, called the Myrons as Alex christened them and they're going to re- um, reunite on the 21st in Glasgow and will be joined by Emma and Pollock also on stage and they're going to they're going to play a set after the film so it's, it's pretty unique it's a, quite a unique thing for them to do you know you, it's probably the only time other than that time in my run where they'll ever be in stage together you know so it is pretty it's pretty exciting yeah I'm really excited for the new film and I can't wait to watch the live event um, thanks for talking with me Niall um, and well, thanks so I'll, much I'll just let the I really appreciate it I'll let the listeners know that um, if there's any possibility of Art Will Save the World coming out I've seen it and it's great Luke Haynes is a uh, a bit terrifying I wouldn't want to be the one interviewing him um, <laughs> but uh also with Lost in France you've got a really brilliantly pitched film and Stuart Braithwaite you just I, I just want to hear so much more from him I, I want a sequel that just focuses on him uh, yeah, talking well, about it'd be nice to make one about Mogwai yeah Stuart, Stuart's great in the film I have to say yeah it's great, um, really great interview uh, well, well um, thanks, thanks so, so much for um, uh, um, doing this with me I really appreciate it years ago we all came here to play and they asked us back. Bonjour, maman. No, we're, we're going to get a bit of a band together now. We haven't got a, a name as yet, but it was suggested backstage that we should maybe be called the, the Morons. <laughs> so what is this us peering back to the past or gazing hopefully into the future? Cheers now, looking forward to seeing Lost in France on the 21st of Feb with the very special satellite gig screening 
featuring Alex Cabranos, Mogwai and the Delgados. Perfect. Right. What's coming out in the next couple of weeks? Oh, we've got the Tony Erdman. Yes, so Tony Erdman is a film that has taken Cannes by storm. Cannes, I shouldn't pronounce yes. So Cannes um, uh, launched this German comedy that's... Um, and, you know, I don't think anyone had any expectations for it. And it then went on to become the... Uh, accumulate the most amount of stars that a film has ever accumulated at Cannes. So star, is it, is star it, ratings is in star out ratings, of five. Not so, cinema stars, as in... Oh, yeah, not, not celebrities. No, no, like wow. uh, rating stars. It's the, yeah. Did he win the Palm d'Or then? Um, no, that was I, Daniel Blake. Ah, there but, we are. Interesting. Um, but yeah, t- uh, Tony Erdman. I've just I, I have been waiting for this film for so long. Um, literally, can't read a bad review about it. So it's about a um, a businesswoman daughter um, whose father comes back into her life um, after a long time away, and he's he's trying to reconnect. But he has a bit of an obsession with pranking and doing humorous things, and so. Well, I think it's like he he's trying to, he sees it as saving his daughter from this quite cold and corporate world. Yeah. Um, maybe it's you know there's a father daughter relationship going on there that maybe they had something where they used to kind of joke around and mess around, and and now she is this straight up businesswoman, and he's trying to bring a bit of life back into her life, but it can go wrong and inappropriate and yeah i think it is like there's a lot of scenes that are very silly and i think if you want to have a good time at the cinema this is the kind of film so you need to go and watch. this is the feel-good film to um 2017 maybe uh <laughs> counter some of the more hard-hitting films such as fences oh denzel washington directs and stars in this adaptation of the play Fences. Nice. Um, yeah, so it's about a, 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 a ex. Well, he was a baseball player, but um, he, he wasn't able to make the major leagues because um, he was black, and so they didn't let black players play. I think at the time, and so it's sort of about his life after that, his um, growing up with a family, and then uh, so Viola Davis uh, supports, and he's got a son as well that uh, he's trying to raise mm. it in a way he sees fit but he's sort of making decisions because of his own life and the way he's mm. lived he's making decisions that are affecting the family for the worst again it seems a bit of a um instead of a father-daughter relationship there's a father-son relationship um if you paternal see paternal relationship. relationship if you if you've seen the trailer the trailer opens with the son asking um his father Denzel washington if he do you like him. me? Do you like no, me? No, do you like me? Do you like me? He loves him. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I like you. Do I put food on the table? Yes. Exactly. So there's there's lots of kind of ideas about um, a father's role. So another film vying for the Oscars is Loving, starring Joel Edgerton and Ruth Negger. Ruth Negger is up for the Oscar for Best Actress, and it's about a interracial couple in uh, living in Virginia. Uh, who get married. This is uh, outlawed in the 1950s in Virginia, and so they have to uh, move to Washington, 
Um, but it's their intent that they want, after having kids and stuff like that, they would like to live back at home in Virginia at some point in their lives, which, you know, the police aren't making easy. Mm. Uh, the people of Virginia aren't making easy either. Either It's ridiculous to think um, that only 60, 70 years ago, this stuff was actually happening in America. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it's directed by Jeff Nichols, who did... Um, Mud. M- Mud, Midnight Take Special. Yeah. Um, lots Shelton. of greats. And um, he works a lot with John Edgerton and also there was support from Michael Shannon, your favourite. Yeah, he is he is one hell of an actor. Face like an elbow, acts like a dream. Um, the film that I am most looking forward to so far of 2017 <laughs> is coming. I'm so excited for this. It's the Lego Batman movie. Uh, I've been waiting for <laughs> about a year. Well, I've been waiting since I first heard about that it was coming out. It's uh, Will Arnett is, um, takes up the role of uh, the voice acting of Batman. If anyone's seen the Lego movie, it was an absolute smash. Um, and this time the cast is just cracking. So um, Michael Cera is Robin. Um, Ray Fiennes is Alfred. Alfred. Uh, Rosario Dawson is Batgirl. Batgirl. Um, Zach Galifianakis is the, the Joker. Joker. It's just <laughs> incredible. And it looks just very funny and meta and yeah. just so fast-paced and sharp with it, just like the Lego movie. So. Yeah, I really, hope it's, I really hope it's on par, and I think it will be just from the, the look of all the promotional work and uh, trailers I've seen so far. I think it's going to be great, and it will really... I think keep everyone on tense hooks for the Lego movie sequel. <gasps> Can't wait. And finally, uh, we have Prevenge. Uh, we've talked about Prevenge before. Um, if you want some more information, go back to our previous podcast because Michael did a, an amazing interview with the wonderful Alice Lowe. So check that out. Nice one. Right. See you in a couple of weeks. You've Bye. Well, I liked it. This week's film is with Alex and Michael. The Big Blanket Podcast.